week, I am recording from my friend's pool house in Silver Lake, Los Angeles. I spent most of my time in this city eating delicious but exorbitantly priced tomatoes and drinking natural wine. But I also managed to squeeze in a trip to the beach at Santa Monica, hiking in Griffith Park and Runyon Canyon, and a stroll down the Venice Canals, where I ran into an old friend. There's something magical about that small world feeling of bumping into somebody you know in an unfamiliar place. I'd love to do an episode on that in the future, so if you have a story, please get in touch. But we have an equally great story for you today. Our guest is Jessica Blotter, a born entrepreneur and journalist on sustainable travel who spent her early 20s trying to figure out how she was going to leave her mark on the world. The answer came during a cruise trip to Belize with her partner's family. Jessica adored the Central American country, but was struck by the poverty, animal exploitation, and lack of sustainable ways to offer support. From this experience sprung Kind Traveler, the world's first socially conscious give and get hotel booking and media platform. This is how it works. When travelers book a hotel using Kind Traveler, they donate $10 to a local nonprofit, and in return, they receive exclusive rates and perks from the hotel. Think a $100 discount off the room, spa treatments at reduced rates, and free breakfast. It's a win all around. On this episode, Jessica and I discussed the moment some stray dogs gave her the idea for Kind Traveler, how the heart-opening effects of travel encourage a more giving mindset, and why leading with a curious heart and spirit is the best way to find your purpose. So I usually like to jump in by asking people, where did your love of travel originate? You know, I think as a young child, I had an uncle that lived in Colorado and I'm originally from Pennsylvania. A couple of times my dad and I would go and visit my uncle and I would ski the Rocky Mountains with them. And I was like probably only 13 at the time. And I really didn't know what I was doing, but I kind of fell in love with the mountains and just being out in nature. And, you know, mind you, the landscape in Colorado is completely different of anything that I, that I ever, ever knew in Pennsylvania. And so I think it was, you know, these big trips to the West that had really inspired me as, as a young girl to think about how different the world looked outside of my own little corner, just outside of Pittsburgh, um, where I grew up. So um, I think that was probably an early, early inspiration. And then I know that you eventually moved to LA. How did you end up in that city? I'm kind of that early travel inspiration. As I grew up, I started thinking, you know, when it was time to go to college, my parents said, you know, if you want to go to college, you're going to pay for it, basically. So I thought, well, if I'm going to pay for my own college and take out all of my own um, student loans, that's that's great. I'm going to go somewhere where I really wanted to go. And um, I sort of didn't have any boundaries on that. So I decided to go out west to Arizona State in Phoenix, Tempe area. And so I moved across the country to go to school. Uh, I didn't know anybody in Arizona, not a single person, but again, I had sort of fallen in love with this desert landscape, big mountains um, surrounding. And that experience in, in, you know, in, in being there, 
um, my very first job out of college. So I was a um, biology major, graduate biology degree, and I went on to get a master's in education and I became a teacher of earth science. And Wait, I what was, does that mean? What's a teacher of earth science? Well, I basically was teaching middle and high school um, earth science. And so earth science is made up of geology. There's a bit of wildlife conservation in there sort of a blend of the sciences. And so I was teaching in Arizona and then I had a job opportunity to move to San Diego and teach at a very unique charter school called the Price School, which was on the campus of the University of California, San Diego. And this school was so unique in that it was the first time that these gifted students, it would be the first time that they would have um, had to go to college, essentially, because once you finish the school, you sort of have an early entry into the University of California school system. And so these students were bused all over San Diego, and they were considered underserved students. They were mostly um, Spanish-speaking students, but I was in this environment with these kids and um, teaching earth science and Ultimately, that's kind of what brought me to California. And then there's sort of another story on how I transitioned to LA. So that's like another chapter, but <laughs> I can go into that chapter next. But that, but, but I think that story is really important because it's where I sort of honed in on my love for sustainability as well. Working right. with students and teaching science and like being in this space and, you know, working with underserved communities and seeing like how important education was to their lives you know, that was definitely sort of an experience that was planted inside of me before I made this big career transition into magazine publishing. So that was like the next chapter. And I can go into that next chapter um, because that ultimately led me to where I am today. So uh, I can go into that uh, if you'd like. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think we'll get to the sustainability aspects of stuff later. So yeah, you, you got a job working at a startup. It seems like it was a successful startup and you liked your role, right? What did you learn about what you really wanted to do while you were there? After I spent a couple of years teaching, I was really looking to expand outside of the four walls of the classroom. You know, I was a young teacher. I was 23, 24, 25, and I, I really just wanted to expand. And I had some friends that I went to college with that started a magazine startup in Phoenix, um, and then they launched a version of it in San Diego. And it was essentially this lifestyle publication that focused on everything that was unique about the city. So travel lifestyle, entertainment, fashion, as it was unique to that city. So they asked me if I wanted to be part of it and be their very first employee. And I said, yes, I had no idea what I was doing. This was not in my space at all, but I love the magazine. I was very intrigued with this startup environment. I mean, they were just having so so much fun. It was so different than, than anything that I was used to. But I started on advertising and um, I grew to become the associate publisher of this magazine. And then I moved to Los Angeles to work with the LA publication. They went on and launched 10 other magazines in 10 different cities. But it was during this period, I was you know, working alongside the co-founders and I was in this very entrepreneurial space of a startup environment. And I was you know, I think during during that period, I was responsible for about $20 million in advertising sales. 
And, but eventually after about five years or so, it it started to kind of wear on me. It was very, very hard. And I got to this point where I really wanted to find and connect back to a deeper purpose in my life and in my career. And so um, it was right around the time of um, the 2018, 2019 financial crisis. And I decided that I was going to start volunteering to just find out, kind of connect back to that purpose piece because I, I was still very young and I wanted to set up my life to have a career that um, ultimately brought me a lot of happiness and purpose and was doing something that I, you know, really loved doing. And it was, and I wasn't sure what that was going to (laughs) be at that time. I was still trying to figure that out, but I had always been drawn to travel. I went on my first press trip uh, with a magazine um, to Los Cabos and um, just had, you know, a really unique experience down there. And um, I decided that I was going to go back to school at UCLA Extension and study journalism and get into travel writing to pursue this passion for travel. So I was doing a lot of travel writing. I was doing a lot of volunteering and sort of prepping what I would uncover in the, you know, the coming months, coming year. But I was prepping the stage for um, what was about to come. And I was leaving myself open to figure it out because I was very focused on like, I want to commit my life to a big purpose and to a movement, but I wanted to get connected to what that was going to be. Mm. And so um, that was kind of prepping that stage. And once I started studying journalism, I started just taking classes on everything and anything that called me. I took a class on philanthropy. I started taking classes on business plan writing. And I was, I was, you know, thinking about how am I going to use my passion for sustainability that I started my career with and entrepreneurship um, and travel and, and how was I going to pull this all together? And so I was, I was studying this, the stage for some time to figure that out. I love that. And then around this time, you took a family trip to Belize with your partner. Yes. Was that destination your choice or how did it come about? So it was not my choice. So my partner's family was having a family reunion. And mind you, Sean's parents are both blind. And um, Sean's the oldest of 10 kids. And oh, wow. They, out of actually, out of ease for them, they wanted to take a cruise. This way, it would be easy for them to kind of get around. We, we decided to go on this cruise with them. This was not necessarily have been my idea of, of a trip that I wanted to take, but because it was part of a family trip with Sean, like we, we wanted to go along for the ride. I but, didn't even know that you could do cruises to Belize. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Lots of cruises uh, stop in Belize. So um, in, right outside of Belize City. And so um, we kind of like, you know, we wanted to be part of the, the spirit of the family trip. And we decided to go on this trip that was pretty much not planned by us. But um, we were there for, for the ride, essentially. I went on a trip to Belize few years ago now and stayed in this little coastal town called Hopkins and it was really lovely but I did barely any of the touristy stuff that you're supposed to do like the blue hole and all of that stuff but yeah what what was your itinerary what was the plan for the trip yeah so I mean it was kind of open um but I know that the family um they really wanted to um you know because we we were all sort of on this big trip together it was sort of this trip that ended up 
unveiling uh, sort of some of the big pitfalls of the travel industry. And Mm. I didn't know uh, exactly what I was getting into at that time, but I remember thinking that in my heart, I wanted to, you know, do like make as many conscious decisions as I could. And I I was putting that at my forefront. Um, But sort of as, as this trip started to unfold and the plans, you know, were being made, there were a lot of things that became very apparent that necessarily weren't the most sustainable of, of choices and, and of activities and things. And this is usually a part of the story that I don't usually talk about. When I talk about my trip to Bailey's, I talk about there's this one very unique experience that we had that was very eye-opening for us, which I'll tell you about that story. But aside from that story, um, there were other experiences on that trip to Bailey's um, as the trip unfolded that were big eye openers of kind of what not to do when you when you travel. I mean, I think we we all had the greatest intentions. We wanted to go caving. We wanted to see the Mayan ruins. We wanted to do these things that you think of when you go to Bailey's. The crews, they were putting lots of activities in front of us, like riding dolphins, you know, like obviously oh, that's right. like a big like sustainability. Yeah. No, but there are, you know, there are these sort of activities that were not necessarily supportive of the local environment or people. You know, I remember being on on the, on foot and um, little kids kind of approaching you with little monkeys and asking you for to, you know, to take photo wildlife, wildlife selfies. And it's like, okay, you know, as I started to unfold and do more and more research on the subject after the fact, not when we were there, because I wasn't in that mindset to do the research of that ahead of time. But we were, you know, it's like, that's a big no in the, in the space, because there's always going to be suffering behind any animal that is sort of, you know, exploited in that way. But I mean, aside from sort of seeing all these little perils of the industry unfold, there was a particular experience that we had. We were on a bus heading to the Mayan ruins and we were on the bus with all these other travelers. It was just sort of the the sights of the road were, you know, one after the other, it was, you know, shacks, um, but, but sort of next to these polluted swamps. Like there was a point where I saw a McDonald's bag, like floating by where these two women were washing their clothes in, in a river. Um, and so it wasn't, you know, in developing countries, yes, um, there's a different like housing standard that Americans are, you know, are, are used to seeing it. And, and it doesn't mean it's any, any better or any worse. But when we were seeing very much open environmental despair next to sort of these shacks that were, you know, dilapidated shacks, it was, a, it was a very different experience for us. And, and we, I think when I tell this story to other people, they they mostly always are like, yes, we saw that too. And a lot of people are maybe for the first time dealing with a little bit of what's called traveler's guilt. Hmm. And they're starting to think about um, their own privilege. And they're starting to think about, you know, wow, like, how do I know if my travel dollars are actually going back in to support this community or how am I leaving this destination perhaps better than before you know, I even arrived here? Mm-hmm. Um, so we were sort of like, those types of questions were coming up for us. But being animal rescue volunteers in the United States, we when we saw specifically the emaciated dogs roaming the streets and approaching us begging for food, that really had us 
kind of stricken on, on what, what we, how we were supposed to, to react and do. And so long story short, we were on the bus and we got off. It was sort of this last chance to grab snacks um, before the tour and the dogs approached us and not knowing what to do. We simply just went into the convenience store and um, they happened to be selling dog food in these little sandwich bags. And so we bought as many, as much dog food as we could. We put it on the ground and we looked up and all of the other travelers that were coming out of the bus, they were also going into the store and buying the dog food. And so we start putting the dog food on the ground and more and more dogs kind of come out of the woodwork to feast on this food. And when we got back on the bus, the whole sentiment had sort of shifted to like this bit of happiness and laughter. Like, hey, we tried to do something. We didn't just ignore the, the situation. Mm. This, this whole sentiment, this feeling had really shifted from this feeling of helplessness and hopelessness and feeling like, you know, we're not connected to this community and we, we want to help, but we don't know how sort of that feeling. And it shifted from, wow, you know, this little tiny act of kindness certainly didn't change the world, but it was a catalyst in us participating in that act. It was a catalyst that inspired these other travelers to also get involved. And it really got us thinking how the sentiment had shifted from sort of this sadness to this hopefulness. And all those feelings were setting this storm to think about how could we use our entrepreneurial skills to create a pathway that would essentially make it easy for travelers to give back in a small way to the communities that they visit. But it was really all of that happening and all those emotions happening in that one time that sort of served as that catalyst for us to start thinking about that. Hmm. I mean, I have so many questions. <laughs> but let's start with talking about sustainability because I think that it's become a real buzzword in the travel industry and loads of hotels are using it now. But I think that there's probably some confusion for people around what it actually means because it's way mm. broader than I think most people realize. So could you give us like a definition of what um, sustainability means to you? The sustainability and uh, I'm going to say sustainable tourism mm. is really about how to leverage the economic impact of travel dollars to ensure that they are benefiting the local community environment, and economy in the host destination. And so the idea is having travel dollars stay in destination. In fact, there's a fact um, that the UNWTO, it was a stat rather, and it, it, they, they said that only $5 of every $100 spent in in, from an international traveler in a developing country will actually stay in that community. When you look at the tourism industry, you know, it's this $10 trillion uh, GDP industry, employs mm -hmm. one in 10 jobs worldwide. So the magnitude of the industry could really be used to help or hurt communities, essentially, in the environment. And that's kind of where the um, genesis of responsible travel is born and being sure to make sure that that economic impact is actually serving instead of hurting. Mm, yeah, I, it's called economic leakage right the yeah that's for, like essentially your tourism dollars leaving the country and the reason it happens a lot of the time is because tour operators or hotels are owned by international companies so when someone is arriving in a place and they're they're staying at like a big chain for example 
most of that money that they're giving to the hotel is being funneled like back out overseas rather than staying within the local community. So right. sustainability is really all about trying to make sure that it that those that money and those profits go towards helping people on the ground and yeah, like communities or um, the natural environment, whatever it is, just projects that promote sustainability. Right. I mean, and the other thing to to think about with this is that when as a traveler you're making conscious choices that are helping the community and, and environment. There's a big psychological gain that comes from that. It's particularly giving back. I mean, giving back um, the, the, you know, the scientific research says that when you give, it creates an endorphin response and whether that's through donation or volunteering. And so for the traveler, that's really the perfect storm for a traveler that wants to have that sort of purposeful, meaningful well-connected experience, but it's kind of looking at all of those things together and not only how can we make for like better vacation experiences, but also at the same time, uh, actually leaving a positive impact and minimizing a negative um, environmental and community impact. So it's sort of like looking at those two things together, like how, as a traveler, how can I minimize a negative impact and increase a positive impact? And that's sort of where the, the heart of, of sustainable tourism lives. Mm, that's a good way of putting it. And how would you describe being a conscious tourist? I mean, you said that when you took this trip to Belize, you want to be very mindful about like how you're spending your money and who you were supporting. You know, have you always been that way? How did you, how did you end up suddenly like seeing all of, all of these seeing issues? Seeing it through that and, lens. Exactly, yeah. seeing it through that lens. Yeah, I mean, I think that a lot of it started... My very first job in high school, for example, I I worked at this store. It was called Natural Wonders. And it was like a store that sold local artisanal goods. And it had all of these different brands that supported like a wildlife conservation. It was very like a granola like type of like little shop. I don't know if you even remember. I don't know if you even know that store. I don't think it's I can picture it. I know it's I know it's type. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, and so I think like very early on, I mean as a teenager, I started kind of like looking through this like lens of what it meant to be an ocean conservationist or a wildlife conservationist. Um, so that seed was planted, you know, very young, but then, you know, being a biology major was sort of, sort of an influence as well, learning about the earth, the planet, its natural systems. But I think that it was really around the time when I was volunteering and when I would volunteer, my life would just feel full of purpose. And I really love the way my life felt when I was involved in that. But it was this pathway as well that, you know, somebody said to me, well, you know, if you really want to help animals, then you should become a vegan. And so I actually became vegan and started living not just a conscious lifestyle in terms of like what I was eating, um, but then also that started to unfold into consciousness around every single dollar that I spent. And this conscious consumerism lens was sort of created. And, you know, if I purchased this meat, for example, and then I started to uncover, well, what did that, what does that mean when you look at, you know, factory farming? And then from, from learning about the plights of, of factory farming and sort of the horrors of that industry, then I kind of jumped over to wildlife and, and I learned that, for example, 
you know, at one point when, when I was in this phase of learning 20,000 elephants were being killed every year for their ivory. Now I think that that number is, is much less now, but it's still, it's still high in, in relation. And then it was like, Oh, by the way, did you know that there's only 3000 tigers left in the world? Oh, and by the way, and then, so you start unfolding And I think that everybody comes to this point of consciousness at a different stage or point in their lives when they're ready to learn and when they're ready to be open to it. But once you start uncovering sort of the, these things that exist in the world, like today, more species are going extinct more so than ever before. We have a warming planet. um, Half the planet goes to bed hungry every night. And when you start to learn and live with these stats, you start to kind of think about the way that you're going to live your life to, you know, ensure that you're doing your part, but perhaps also how you're going to inspire other people. And when I was looking at the travel industry and how I wanted to position my life, I thought that, wow, you know, this industry, this $10 trillion industry It just has such potential to guide people in a way that can actually help preserve wildlife. It can help heal communities from poverty. It can help, you know, with preservation, conservation efforts from the ocean to land, water, you know, all sorts of different types of of conservation points. Um, And at the same time, you get to do it in a way that, you know, makes you know, when people are traveling, their hearts are more open, they're, they're wanting to have this rich experience. And so for me, it just felt like this really wonderful opportunity to get into this space of really making a a big impact in the world and in the lives of, of people and the planet. Mm. And I think it very much started on that, that journey of animal welfare. Like it started just volunteering with some dogs and cats and making sure that they were finding homes and it turned into like, well, what about the cows and the pigs and the chickens? And then wait, 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 what about like the elephants and the tigers? (laughs) I mean, how do you, how do you not get overwhelmed by, because there's so many things to fix, right? So how do you stay focused and not feel overwhelmed with all the things that need fixing in the world? (laughs) Oh my gosh. That is the question of the day. Um, That is, you know, that is a real tough one because yeah, I think where I have to stay focused is in creating kind traveler. I have to stay focused in knowing that we haven't talked about that journey yet, but my co-founder and I came across this idea, which we're partners, like we're a couple. um, and, And this is sort of our life's journey. And so we decided that you know, we wanted to build this platform that was going to make it easy for travelers to give back to the communities that they visit and that they loved. The focus, when you talk about focus, like the focus that that has required, that was a four-year journey to build that platform, to launch it into the world. Um, it took four years. So it it's like, when I think of focus, I think about now at this stage, all of our resources are wrapped up into kind traveler, like everything is invested into this. And so my focus has to be very crystal clear on, you know, what are my intentions for the platform? How are we growing it? How are we making sure that we're setting this up? So to deliver the best possible outcome and impact as we can. And that has been 
that's taken up all of our energy and all of our time. And so everything is poured into this platform. So I, I love that we have several charities on there that are tackling homelessness. In fact, we have a charity in Belize that is called the Cause Cayo Animal Welfare Society that brings our Belize story full circle because we actually have hotels in Belize that you can go visit and give back to local animal rescue groups while you're there um, through our platform. And so that was a big full circle moment. So we have charities that are supporting, you know, homeless dogs and cats to um, manta ray conservation and the Maldives to, um, you know, all sorts of different surf riders and different places around the world. So um, all everything kind of gets poured into that you know, into that, that impact equation through kind traveler. Now it does. I hope that makes sense. <laughs> it does. It does. Like once you're focusing on kind traveler, but then each of these, I mean, we'll go into the structure of how it works in a bit, but let's go back to the dogs. Yeah. <laughs> so I love that you brought this up because one of my best friends went to Belize and volunteered at an animal shelter and then ended up adopting a dog. And it was a real nightmare to get him back, but they managed to get him. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. That's so great. <laughs> I don't know how she picked just one. I was like, oh, my heart. We're seeing the photos. They're so cute. But based on that experience, how did you go from that to launching Kind Traveler? How did you like begin to IDA and, and get everything pulled together? Right. So when we had that experience, we, you know, the, the two things were kind of like, okay, travelers need a catalyst. Like they want to give back they're thinking these same things, but they, they don't know how to do it. There's a lot of confusion on how to do that. So we're like, travelers need a catalyst. And what can we create that makes a catalyst and makes it easy for them to give back? I saw this advertisement for a hotel in LA and they were saying, if you bring a can of dog food um, to the hotel or a case of dog food, they'll give you 10% off the room. And they were trying to, they were donating the dog food to a local animal shelter. And so it was this idea of give and get, give and get. I'm like, travelers need give, they, we need to mobilize a give and get across the, the hotel, you know, across, across the hospitality industry. And so that was kind of, that really stuck with us. And I, I remember having like this notebook and it was like give and get. And um, we started thinking about sort of the, how we were going to put that together. And, you know, we are not um, coders or web developers, but um, my partner, Sean is a product designer, graphic designer. And, you know, before Kind Traveler, Sean and I were actually working together um, in LA as consultants for brands. And we were doing a lot of graphic design. Um, we were doing some events and brand, brand development. And so we're kind of already like working together in this sort of business capacity. But once we had really like primed the stage for give and get, we had to start thinking about how we were going to build this platform, which was, was sort of this big, big idea. But Sean just kept saying like, let's just go really slowly. And, you know, so we would sort of take like this little bit of savings and, and, and say, okay, like, what can we do to just start? So we ended up finding a web development team in Los Angeles that agreed to work with us over a period of time. And we would make payments to them because we, we, we didn't just go out and find an investor right away and say, this is what we want to do. Give us a million dollars where we wanted to kind of build it and prove the model and get some traction. At the time, we didn't know how long that was actually going to be. 
So, um, but anyways, we found this web team that agreed and they loved the idea. And we just started building the platform with them, essentially. And then once we got to a certain point where I was going to have a demo available, then it was like, well, we're going to need hotels and we're going to need charities. And so, (laughs) and so then we had to go out and find them. And because I was not traditionally from the hospitality industry, this was going to be yet another challenge that that we were going to face. And how are we going to do this? So what happened was um, because I was doing a lot of travel writing, I was definitely getting in front of a lot of hotels. And I took a writing assignment from this organization called the Boutique Lifestyle and Lodging Association. And they, and they asked me to write a white paper where I would interview um, 10 hotel CEOs. And I would ask them this ser- these, these series of questions on, you know, the, through this interview and I'd create a white paper. So here I was talking to 10 CEOs. Couldn't uh, be more perfect. <laughs> yeah. It was like <laughs> the perfect storm. And, um, and one of the CEOs was the CEO of Virgin Hotels, um, Raul Liao. And I particularly just had love. They were getting ready to create um, their very first hotel, which is Virgin Hotel Chicago. And um, I just love their whole model. And I remember um, asking him in an interview and, and telling him that I'm thinking, you know, I'm, I'm building this, this platform called Kind Traveler. Um, what do you think of it? Does it resonate with you? And he said, yes. He's like, I want to be, I definitely want to be on that platform. I, 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 I want to be, you know, a partner. And um, I just couldn't, I remember that was like the start of it. And I wanted to, you know, meet him in person. I found a way to go to this one hospitality conference and we met in person. And I think it was shortly after that, I signed my first contract um, for Kind Traveler with Virgin. <laughs> That's amazing. And then I'm sure once you have them on board, it's way easier to approach other hotel brands and get more and more. Yeah. I mean, once you have, you know, one or two or three like key players, um, then it became, you know, a lot easier to get, um, you know, other partners on. Um, On the charity side, our very first charity was Animal Defenders International. And I had been like working with them just sort of as a volunteer, doing some different things, going to their events. And I remember I was writing for this one outlet and I came up with an idea um, of a story where I was going to go to their office and interview them for, because they they had just finished doing this extensive project in Bolivia where they were banning illegal circuses in in Bolivia. And um, I wanted to get that story and write about it for this um, outlet I was writing for. And so I remember I, you know, I went there, did the interview, and then I asked them like, I told him about Kind Traveler and asked him, you know, hey, would you like to be part of this? And and they they said yes. And so then I had my first charity. And so um, we waited until we had about 20 hotels and I think about 15 charities on the platform. At that point, we were able to sort of choose a launch date of when we were going to like actually launch this platform. But it took years to to streamline all of this and to build this platform very slowly because we bootstrapped the whole thing ourselves, essentially. It's just such a good idea. Can you give some examples of the give and get? So people would know if they wanted to book through Kind Traveler, how does that whole thing work? Of course, yeah. So, So Kind Traveler 
just to kind of let everybody know what it is. Um, it's the first socially conscious give and get hotel booking platform that empowers travelers to positively impact the communities that they visit. And the way the give and get model works is that travelers will receive exclusive hotel rates and perks when they give a minimum of a $10 donation to a locally vetted charity that impacts the community that they're visiting. And through that model, 100% of donations go back to charity, which creates this triple win between the traveler, the charity, and the hotel. But I love talking about the impact of what a $10 donation can make because it's actually quite vast. For example, a $10 donation to a local environmental group called the Russian Riverkeeper up in Sonoma, California, will help clean 250 pounds of trash out of the Russian River. So that's like a really monstrous impact metric to think about like what it can do. When you give 10 to the Sonoma Land Trust, it will help provide trail maintenance for one mile of hiking trail. So that's another one. Down in Belize with the Cayo Animal Welfare Society, $10 will provide care for a kitten for two months. And so these are just some of the examples of what you can do. But frankly, my favorite part of the entire site is telling people exactly what that impact metric does. And right now we're actually preparing to launch Kind Traveler 2.0, which is a brand new website that we've been working on for eight months where we're, you know, instead of having to kind of click through a couple different places to find your impact metric, we're bringing that far forward into the platform. So it's going to be the thing that's like really celebrated um, in an even bigger way than it currently is on the platform. So we're super excited about that. I love that. And I do think there's something about travel that makes you feel more connected to places, right? And people like knowing, as we discussed earlier, all of those different issues in the world it can seem very distant because it is for many of us. But when you travel and you come into these spaces and you meet these people and it just changes your perception of the fact that, you know, we are all connected. And so if there is, a, I think you're in, like you said earlier, in the right headspace to be more giving. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you know that before you even, you know, get on a train, plane or car, however you're arriving to your destination, if you know ahead of time, that your travel dollars have, you know, supported the community in this like very specific way. Like it's important to have the, the specificity of that because I think it's like, it creates this tangible thing that you know that your travel dollars might be. Like another thing that 10 does is it can help provide 40 meals to in need families with a local food bank. It's you know, amazing. so, so knowing, I think knowing that and the psychology, the, the positive psychology that comes from knowing your impact and knowing that you've taken that step to give back to the community while also kind of checking off the boxes of choosing sustainable, conscious, responsible activities, partners throughout the entire travel, travel journey. Um, but having all those things in order just you know, creates a more memorable, meaningful, purposeful trip ultimately. Hmm. I'd love to ask you about sustainability during the pandemic, because I feel like it's been an interesting time for sustainable tourism, because we got to see how much nature thrives, right, when we're not around. But then we also got to see how much humans who rely on tourism dollars for a living suffered. Mm -hmm. And so from your industry perspective, Have there been any changes or any upgrades that have come about because of the pandemic? 
I think that the uh, interest around sustainable tourism has definitely skyrocketed since the pandemic. I mean, we've seen not just hotels and operators, tour operators, um, you know, want to increase their sustainability. But I think the shift that's happening is that actual destinations are wanting to lead the conversation. And you see that with places like tourism boards, like Visit Scotland, Switzerland, for example, they have now the first um, all electric vehicle road trip with the most EV charging stations in any other country in the world. So I see a rise in leadership that is coming from the destination standpoint. You know, another example is like Sonoma County. They, you know, they are the nation's first 100% sustainable wine region. Um, And they, instead of calling themselves a destination marketing organization, they changed their positioning to a destination stewardship organization where their, you know, their prime goal is to invest into stewardship initiatives because they know that the health and well-being of the destination is what is ultimately going to drive tourism. And so it's really like the destination pivot that's happened. I think it was started to happen a little bit before COVID, but COVID just made that happen, that shift happen. And so as a traveler, we need to look at how our travel dollars are not just going to align with a sustainable hotel and giving back to the community and all these other things, but more so supporting the destinations that are behind it from a holistic place, you know, from a top-down level. I think that's a really interesting thing to think about because if tourism dollars are being utilized and invested in environmental conservation and, you know, community impact initiatives, that's a much more sustainable model to create destinations well into the future that will be thriving for those future generations. And so I think we have to look at it from like a leadership place, a top-down approach and, and aligning dollars from that perspective. What are the future plans for Kind Traveler? So like I mentioned, we have been working on the 2.0 version of our platform, which we're going to be launching in January. Um, we've been working on it for eight months. And so it's it, quite a big undertaking. There's basically going to be improvements in our booking model um, and even better user experience. Um, but the biggest thing is that we're launching with 40 new hotel partners and 15 new charities. Um, so we're expanding the collection um, by quite a bit. It'll bring us up to about 140 hotel partners total in 22 different countries. So there'll be just, you know, this big expansion that we're looking forward to and new tech um, that's going to make it an even better experience um, for travelers and sort of optimizing positive impact as much as it can be optimized through the platform. Mm. So that's like the big thing that we're focused on. And next month, Kind Traveler is a finalist um, for an event called the World Tourism Forum and Innovation Festival in Switzerland. And so we're um, actually going to be pitching Kind Traveler um, to, well, it's an investor pitch as part of a a startup community where Kind Traveler was one of 10 finalists and we'll be 
sort of sharing Kind Traveler with a bigger universe of uh, investors and, you know, hopefully supporters of the global perspective. So we're really excited. I haven't traveled in really too much in two years, so it'll be (laughs) just exciting. We're really looking forward to it. That's so exciting. It must be so satisfying to have found a career or built a career really that you're so passionate about and that has so much meaning for you. What advice would you have for people who are still trying to find their calling? Thank you. I I, I really appreciate that. Um, I think that, that we have to realize like to find your calling, it doesn't, it it doesn't necessarily always happen super fast. I mean, it it sometimes can take a long time. And so um, I think that we all have to be just patient um, with our journey, but always investing in yourself, investing in self-development, education, volunteering, and travel, of course, can open you up to new perspectives that you may have not had before. And I think that we have to kind of go into it with an open heart. And if you feel curiosity somewhere, go explore that, go in that direction and just leading with a curious heart and spirit and always investing in education and, and kind of looking to where you know, your skill set is going to align with your, your, your bigger purpose and your passion. And if we can look, find the sweet spot in the middle of, of those three things, I think that that's where we can find happiness and longevity to commit to a career or an entrepreneurial journey that is fulfilling, but we have to do the work like, and it doesn't happen easily necessarily. Leading with a curious heart and spirit is a beautiful way to put it. I love that. Oh, good. Yeah. It's like staying curious. Like it's so simple, but it's like, it's a really important part of the journey, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And finally, how would your life be different now if you had never taken that trip to Belize? (laughs) You know, it's hard to say. Um, I think that because I was... I was really preparing for this conversion of how my passions of travel and sustainability and entrepreneurship were going to meld together. I think that somehow I, I would, I believe that I would have somehow uncovered this thing, but it was, I think it's really the power of travel, of getting outside your own boundaries and going and seeing different perspectives and worlds that can, you know, trigger you to think of something that you you didn't think of. Um, I mean, I know some way or another, I feel like I would have circled back around to where I am because of all the preparation work I had done beforehand. But I'm just so thankful that I took that trip because it was the catalyst that started this path. Um, but I do believe that somehow I would have uncovered it one way or another. Oh, well, I'm glad you did find your way there. I feel like the world is a better place because of Kind Traveler. So oh, keep doing what you're doing. So it's awesome. Thank you so much. I really <laughs> appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> um, where can people find you on the internet? Um, sure. So um, kindtraveler.com. Um, you can start there. You can sign up for our newsletter. Um, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter. Those are some good places to start. And um you know, hello at kindtraveler.com is a great place to like email in if you have any thoughts or questions or anything like that. Awesome. And before you go, I'd love to do a quick fire round with you. Uh oh. (laughs) (laughs) What's the one thing every person should experience in their lifetime? I know this is so obvious, but it should be travel. (laughs) 
<laughs> I mean, people need to travel. They need to get, go to a place where they've always wanted to go and they just, they need to figure out how to make it happen and just do it. <laughs> if you could teleport anywhere just for the day, where would you go and what would you do? If I could go anywhere for the day? If you, if you could teleport anywhere. I would go to Tahiti and the, the Fiji Islands. That's where I would definitely go. <laughs> have you been before? I have not been before, but I, I'm definitely manifesting it. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, what's the one thing you never, ever travel without? My yoga mat. <laughs> Do you have a foldable one or you just bring the big one? Um, I have a travel mat. So yeah. it folds uh, nicely into my suitcase, um, but I do yoga every day to just clear my mind and get grounded. So if I don't have that as my foundation, I feel really lost. Um, even if it's like five or 10 minutes of yoga, like it's, it's like a really important part of my day. So Love I have that. to like have my mat everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. What's a lesser known destination that you'd recommend to other travelers? So I recently discovered uh, in, in, you know, planning my trip to Switzerland of a destination called Arosa in Switzerland. And I had never heard of Arosa before, but it turns out that this tourism board is um, taking some really amazing steps towards sustainability. And it's sort of just the lesser known place in Switzerland that I think it was really inspiring because everybody I've talked to has, has never heard of Arosa. So I'm excited to like tell the world that they need to check out Arosa. Good to know. I'm going to look that place up. I've never heard of it either. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a recommendation for a podcast show or book for a long haul flight? Hmm. Uh, one of my friends has a podcast called Travel with Meaning that I really like. Um, he tries to find out what these different meaningful moments are in travel and he kind of like dissects these moments of meaning and what that meaning is for different people. So um, yeah, um, I would check out travel with meaning. And finally, where is next on your bucket list? Well, as I mentioned, I'm going to Switzerland and that kind of happened because of this unique event that I'm involved in, but it was actually like a place that was on my bucket list, but most specifically, um, you know, we're going into this region of the Swiss Alps called the Jungfrau region. And I'm just really excited to kind of explore some of these towns. They're car-free towns. And yeah, and there's waterfalls and these winter hikes that I'm just so looking forward to exploring. Um, and so it was, you know, it's kind of like something that I'm actually doing, but it was on my list of like a place that I really wanted to go. So I'm kind of checking off like multiple boxes. <laughs> That's ideal. Well, Jessica, thank you so much for sharing your story. You've been great. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It was so lovely talking to you. I really enjoyed our time together. Awesome. Me too. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. I hope you liked it. We'll be back in two weeks time with more inspiring travel stories for your ears. In the meantime, you can learn more about us by visiting fulltimetravel.co or following us on Instagram at full underscore time underscore travel. If you have a story you want to share on the trip that changed me, drop us a line and please be sure to rate, review and follow so we can keep this adventure going.